For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Tigers Minor League Report Network, your home for Detroit Tigers MLB and MILB podcasts, news, analysis, and scouting. Welcome to the 616 Recap. This is uh, your weekly West Michigan Whitecaps podcast. I'm your host, Keenan Carter, joined again this week by my co-host, Jay Markle, from over at Bless You Boys. Jay, what's happening? hey good to see you. I'm happy to be here. I like podcasting. Absolutely. We, uh, a- As usual, I always have some audio issues that uh, slow us down, but we've got it worked out, we think. And uh, hey, I had a chance to get out and see our Whitecaps last night. Uh, which is a treat for me because I don't live anywhere near Grand Rapids, but I do live only about an hour away from Dayton. So I got to get out to a fifth third field in Dayton, Ohio, uh, last night. Check out our white caps. Uh, oh, you live in Ohio. I do. I don't know why I never realized that. That's kind of boring. It, is it, Jay? Is yeah, it? Yeah. Coming from the great state of Michigan. Yeah. Well, we, we, we can save this for another podcast. All right. <laughs> uh, but no, Dayton's got a really nice stadium. Um, for a Tuesday night, I couldn't believe how crowded it was. They've got a sign up. It's like 827 consecutive sellouts or something like that, which is crazy for a, a single A club in a, in a small city. Um, but it's a nice facility. Um, and, and like I said, a real treat for me to get out to see the Caps in person because I only get to see them a couple times a year when they come to Dayton or sometimes I'll go up to Cleveland and see them in Lake County. Um, and I, I hadn't realized this, Jay, but it's been a rough go for the Whitecaps this year. I, I knew they were struggling a little bit, but I didn't realize how badly they were struggling. Last night was their eighth consecutive loss. That's their second eight-game losing streak in their last 21 games. They are 4-27 and in their last uh, 31 games, which is pretty abysmal. So, you know, it's it's a grind in the minors to begin with. But, man, when you're losing to that degree, it's got to be tough on mm-hmm. Lance Parrish and the guys. Uh, and for people like you who who do get out and see them quite frequently to watch losing baseball so much. But um, nonetheless, I, you know, I, I'm not there looking at outcomes. I'm, I'm looking at specific players and uh, had a good opportunity to see some guys last night, all the all the – the bigger names were in the lineup. Got to see Kingston Leniak, and I was pretty impressed with him defensively. He was in left field last night. Looks like he can get to the ball quickly. He's got a strong, accurate arm from what I can see. Uh, Parker Meadows covering a ton of ground in center field. Spacious alleys there at fifth third field in Dayton, and he, he traveled a long way on multiple occasions to take away extra bases, so I was I was pleased to see um, defensively those two young kids. Um, Sam McMillan. Uh, defensively, uh, you know, I, I thought he looked like a, an adequate receiver and he gunned down Mike Siani, who is, um, one of the Reds 
top outfield prospects. He gunned him down by like five feet early in the game, strong, accurate throw. And I was like, wow, that's fairly impressive. And then uh, his next three throws to second base were one was bounced and two were offline. So just needs to get a little more consistent. He gets rid of the ball quickly and he, he's got a strong arm. Uh, accuracy was, a, was an issue for him last night. And then um, Sam McMillan's approach at the plate, you know, we, we've been talking about it offline or via Twitter and some of our private chats for a while now. He, he walks a ton. He, he's not he's not doing a lot of damage, but the kid is walking a lot. And you could see why last night he works counts. He fouls off a ton of pitches and eventually he finds himself on first base via walk. I know you were doing a little uh, a little research on that. Jay with Sam McMillan and, and his lack of damage and ton of walks. Uh, there were some interesting stats that you had thrown at that. Yeah, his uh, on-base percentage is nearly 200 points higher than his average, which is ludicrous in and of itself. But what's even sillier is that he's slugging 295, but his WRC plus is at 118. That's 18% above average. I have never seen that before. That's That's just outrageous. Yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, we, we want to see him start driving the ball a little bit more, but yeah. the ability to walk is a skill, and uh, he's really good at that. Uh, w- one of the things I noticed last night, too, Jay, um, I, you know, I mentioned how badly the team is struggling right now, and, and you could see some of the Latin players who have been professionals for like four or five years, so Wenzel Perez, Jose King, like they've they turned pro when they were 16. Um, They're still kind of joking around, having a good time. Because they've they've been pros for a while, they're they're sort of accustomed to this failure. But your your high school guys, so Kingston Leniacs and and Parker Meadows, who are you know kind of in their first full season of professional ball, you can you can see frustration mounting. Uh, McMillan as well. Th- these guys just aren't accustomed to failure. Um, they're they're coming off seasons in high school where they were hitting 450. Uh, doing whatever they wanted on a baseball field for the last 10 years of their lives, right? And now you come in, you step into the Midwest League, and you're you're facing a kid who was throwing 97 miles an hour last night in the first inning. He he sat more 92 to 96 or 92 to 95, but touched 97. And, uh, you know, you're, you find yourself not able to do whatever you feel like doing on a baseball field anymore and may, having to make adjustments for the first time in your life, and you could sort of see the frustration on the kids' faces a little bit. So it's good for them to experience adversity. That's what this is all about in player development. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about infielders this week because we, we, we got in depth on the outfield last week. This week we want to talk specifically about infielders, um, because we've got an influx, right, Jay? But based yeah. on the, uh, the 2019 draft and a lot of guys, uh, who are going to be needing to get reps. So how, how are we going to, who, who are some of the guys we need to factor in here and how are we going to address that? Well, you just look at the names. You've got Nick Quintana, Andre Lipsius, Ryan Kreidler, I can never say that right, Ryan Kreidler, Wenzel Perez, Ray Rivera, Jose King, John Valenti, Nick Ames, Jordan Pierce. Who am I missing? Yeah, I mean, Uh, it depends how deep you want to go. I mean, Hector Martinez was playing third base last night. Hector Martinez, there's another one. Um, But, all right, so so what are we going to do about that? Um, I think your first, the first thing you do is promote John Valenti from West Michigan to Lakeland. He's earned it, uh, just numbers wise. I know numbers do not make a prospect, but he's shown that he pretty much 
has nothing to learn in West Michigan. And he's one of these guys that is pretty much a non-prospect and probably won't make an impact in the major league level. But if you're going to pick a guy who's a non-prospect in the low minors to, to keep an eye on, he's probably it because he is able to make the most out of what he's got, even though he's kind of a smaller guy and doesn't have big flashy tools. Scouts, um, seem to think that he'll, he is more likely than most of these guys to make something out of what he, he's able to do. Uh, yeah, uh, between you and me f- fighting over Johnny Valente, whose guy he is, uh, <laughs> and I, and I know Dan Hasty, voice of the Whitecaps, he, he's a big Johnny Valente guy too. I, I love the kid. Like, like you said, he's probably, uh, an org guy, but he's the type of org guy who has a chance to be a professional baseball player for a long time. Like he'll stick around in an org mm-hmm. for a while because he can play a couple different positions. You can put him at the top of the order and he can get on base. He doesn't strike out. Um, and he's, and he's a terrific kid. So he's the kind of guy I agree with you. I think, you know, moving to the Florida State League for, for a college, seasoned college guy. He was Big East player of the year at St. John's. Like he's the type of kid. He'll be fine down in Florida State League. You can move him along to open up that, uh, opportunity for some younger kids to get some reps or some newer kids to get some reps there in West Michigan. I think the next step you got to take is to send Jose King to Connecticut. Um, He's pretty much showing that he does not belong in West Michigan, but in the opposite way. Uh, he's put on some muscle. He was really little last year, and now he's only little this year. Um, so he is showing improvement in the physical side of things, but it, it's it's still too much for him to be able to perform in West Michigan. So when Connecticut opens up their season, I really think Jose King should be their starting uh, shortstop there. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there too, Jay. I, you know, I, he clearly did add some muscle in the off season. It's obvious, but I'm not seeing like dramatically improved bat speed out of him. And, um, you can just see by, by the numbers, he's not, he's not thriving. And, um, uh, yeah. All right. So we'll send him down to the New York Penn League and let him play every day down there and, and try again next year. He's still young enough where, um, Bouncing down to short seasons not going to ruin his career, but right. I think you know, and I, I I haven't given up. Oh, sorry, you were talking. No, no, nope, nope. Go ahead. I haven't given up on Jose King. I just think he's probably more of a project than we were thinking he might be when he got uh, when when they opened the season. Um, and part of that is because Lance Parrish said his marching orders with Jose King was to make him a utility guy. Now, up until this year, he was pretty much a pure shortstop yeah. because. Uh, Physically, that's where he belongs. He's got the speed to have enough range to make it happen. His hands are soft enough to stick at the position. But now they're playing him at second and at third, where he looks really uncomfortable, probably because he is uncomfortable there. So that'll take a real mental toll on a guy who was always going to be a weaker offensive contributor. So to just get him some more stable gameplay at a position he's more comfortable with to try to get the ship back in line um, offensively is going to be good for him. Yeah, well, you know, and here's the issue with uh, playing him at shortstop every day. He's he's not going to play shortstop every day at Connecticut. He's probably still going to be in that utility profile, bouncing around all three positions because you got Kelvin Smith down there. Mm -hmm. Forgot Uh, about him. Yeah, so, you know, maybe, maybe Smith plays mostly short, but also plays some third. 
and they kind of do this this little merry-go-round, this little rotation that you're seeing in Erie also with like Paredes and Alcantara, um, where sometimes you've got three short stops and, and one squad, and and, you, and you're just trying to keep them in the lineup every day. And um, so we'll see. But I really would like to see the Tigers prioritize King over Smith because Smith has some tools. But um, from what I've read, King probably has a has a better shot at being an impactful contributor down the road. Ooh, oh, hot take, Jay Markle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah but I haven't big... seen Smith, so I I can't really speak too strongly. Yeah, I mean, none of us really have at this point. I'm a big I'm a big Calvin Smith fan just because I've kind of I've gotten to know him a little bit behind the scenes and his dad, and I know he he worked a ton in the off season. He's he spent a lot of time in the weight room, and I and I think he's a kind of guy who might have a little bit of muscle, a little bit of power in that bat. Um, but we'll we'll see how he. Uh, how he starts off in New York Penn League. Would love to see him get a taste of West Michigan this year, but I'm getting I'm getting way ahead of myself with him. Um, all right, so who else do we have to deal with? Frankly, beyond those two moves, I don't know what to do because the rest of these guys, they they need reps where they're at. Wenzel Perez, um, I don't want to demote him. I want to let him try to fight through the fight through the season because he's showing signs of improvement. Um, because the the kid still can make crazy amounts of contact from the top of his head to the tip of his toes, but he he can't seem to lay off on stuff below the zone. So I want to see him continue to try to develop that patience against full season pitching. But then you have to figure out what to do with a guy like Ryan Kreidler, who pretty much his only shot at the majors is if he's able to play um, defensively well in several positions, which means he's going to need to be taking reps at short and third and second. But that also describes a guy like Andre Lipsius, who needs reps at third to become a steadier defender there. But then you're taking time away from Nick Quintana, who's already a plus defender, but you don't want to take time away from him because he's a higher priority prospect than any of these guys. So it's it's really a confusing mess. All right, so Quintana's got to go to to West Michigan, right? That's what I think. Yes. Kreidler, um, it, is there value in a guy like that playing in Connecticut or even spending a f- couple three weeks in the Gulf Coast League? I mean, he just played a full season. I don't think so. How many reps do you need to? Ha- yeah, I I don't know, but I I just don't know how you're gonna get. At bats for all the guys you need to get at bats for, because you're you're not moving Wenzel Perez, okay? No, he's he stays at shortstop every single day uh, in West Michigan. Um, so <laughs> some somebody's either going to have to play in Connecticut or play in Lakeland. And does Kreidler move to second? Maybe I I don't know. He's a big kid, isn't he? Yeah, he's like six four. Yeah. I don't know. That would he's be unusual. He's got the defensive actions, but he's still six foot four. Right. I don't know. I don't know, Jay. We, we shall still see. Don't know what to do about Andre. Correct. We do not have a clue. I mean, I suppose you could get hyper aggressive and 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 shoot a couple guys to Lakeland. If um, you're going to shoot a guy to Lakeland, I really want to see it be Ryan Kreidler. Because he's the guy that, is, out of these prospects, has probably the least future value. 
um, and his value is tied up in his glove, so that's not really level dependent. So let's just, if if we're gonna be hyper aggressive and send someone to Lakeland, let it be him. Yeah, because even if you look at what they did with Cody Clemens last year, like he didn't even get to Lakeland until August. Mm-hmm. I mean, he spent he got a lot of reps in West Michigan before they were comfortable putting him at the at the high A level. So um, it, it would be. It would be aggressive to to start someone a, a guy that they really consider a prospect. You know, if they want to just grab some some mid late round college guys and send them off to Lakeland, that's that's something I could see them doing. But the guys that they really are considering prospects, I would think they want to get them reps at the lower levels first. Uh, I wonder if they don't um, have Quintana and Lipsius take alternate reps at third and first. And bench Ray because he's been so bad this year, and he's really not defensively valuable anywhere. Well, I mean, I think that's the other component uh, to this, Jay, is that once all these contracts get signed, and I know a lot of them are starting to roll in right now, um, you'll really start to see how the organization feels about certain guys. We'll probably see some releases and some demotions and promotions. So you'll know, like, this is the org no longer considers this guy a prospect or they want to reward this guy. And, uh, it's, it's what I think, uh, Connecticut season starts up on Friday, doesn't it? Mm, uh, that uh, sounds right. June 14th, I believe. And then the GCL is the 24th. Maybe I have those backwards, but in the next week to two weeks, these seasons get underway and we see some of the organizational changes uh taking shape so Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point maybe yeah maybe maybe they will decide that ray rivera all right this is a project we gave it a couple of years we don't we don't see the potential in this anymore uh you're an org guy uh or you're or i can't imagine them giving him an outright release but (sighs) the trouble is that when he gets a hold of a ball he can drive it it just doesn't happen no, yeah, I mean, I was talking with Robert James about that. We saw him drive the ball against Matthew Libertor last week, Oppo. Uh, they weren't home runs, but he hit lasers against him, and it's like, but why would it, it was funny because the announcer had just got done saying that the last time Rivera faced Libertor, he struck him out like two or three times in a row without throwing him a single fastball, and he threw him a fastball, <laughs> and Ray Ray smoked it to left field. It's like. Hey, you know you don't have to throw him one of those. Um and if you if you just spin it a little bit and make it look like it's going to start in the zone, there's a good chance you'll get a hack. But well, I wonder if the point there wasn't to uh because Libertor's fastball is not his signature offering. I wonder if they're forcing him to throw fastball to a fastball hitter. Like, okay, yeah. try it and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, they're they're working on things with Libertor. It's if if he wants to just get dudes out, he can probably find a way to do that. But he's, yeah, he's got a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I don't know what we're gonna do, man. Uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to have some new some new names in the system. You know, draft draft time is always an exciting time for us, right? We get some new guys to research and uh, some new hope in the system, and we can sit here and dream on a few guys who's the next. Tarek Skubal, ninth round gem. Um, but uh, so, who are you excited about? Who's uh, maybe the draft class? Yeah, I mean, maybe somebody who's not one of the bigger names. 
well, a lot of people are really happy about Jack Kenley, but I'm more interested in Austin Bergner. Is that how you say it? Now that it's not in front of my face, I'm not confident that was correct. But that pitcher they got um, near the end of the top ten, I think it was their uh, ninth rounder, okay. he was considered um, a, a fairly high-end prospect a couple of years ago, and he failed to perform in college even though the stuff is still there. So that leaves scouts wondering you know, why he can't put it together. And we've seen the Tigers do good things with, with some guys like uh, Matt Manning. Um, for example, now I'm not saying that their talents are even remotely comparable, but right. Manning was a guy who had stuff, but it could have gone in any number of any number of ways, and now he's one of the top prospects in the game. So I I know there's not a lot of confidence in the Tigers' developmental staff when it comes to um, batting prospects, but I think that they have the potential to do some real interesting stuff with a guy like Austin. I really think it is Bergner. Um, <laughs> Yes, that's correct. Sweet. Who has uh, three legitimate pitches. Yeah, yeah. 6'4", 200 pounds. Starter. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. I'm also interested in Cooper Johnson. He's not really an under-the-radar guy, but he um, he's one of these fellows where it's like the age-old cliche. If he hits, he's a major leaguer. Well, what, wh- eventually they're going to get one of these guys who does hit. La- uh, last year we saw Joey Morgan not hit. So maybe Cooper Johnson is a guy, especially since his defensive skills are far more highly regarded than uh, Morgan's were. Okay, that's good to know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I feel bad for Morgan, really. Um, I, I think he's been one of those guys that's been categorized as a non-prospect now. And to go from third-round pick to backup org catcher, um, that's, that's, that's a heavy dose of reality, but I, I heard some off the books stuff about how he was not the greatest guy in the clubhouse too. Well, that's interesting. I, I, cause I, you know, I've heard nothing but good things about him from fans who have interacted with him down in Lakeland, but, um, Hey, look, this is, I'm not judge. I'm not going to judge anybody because yeah. I was, I was talking with my dad about this last night, like this, the, this pursuit is not easy, um, and you know this as, as well as anybody, those of us who follow the minor leagues really closely. Like, it's not fun. It, I mean, I, you have to really, really love it and really, really want it to go through what these guys go through. I mean, you know, he you get to be – you're a college graduate. Your buddies are all going off and getting jobs as financial analysts and getting married, and they've got money in their pockets, and you're grinding on the bus, you know, going – going from Lakeland to Palm Beach to, you know, Port Charlotte, and it's 100 degrees, and you're hitting 186, it's like, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to eat. Ah. Yeah. So. But uh, minor conditions (laughs) is a topic for a much longer, very different podcast. Yeah, yeah. So all I'm saying is uh, it it may come off as a – Maybe we're trashing these guys sometimes when we're talking about their game, but I've got nothing but respect for mm-hmm. the guys who who pursue this day in and day out. So, um, all right. Oh, another thing I wanted to talk to you about. I mean, we'll, we'll probably get into some pitching in future episodes, but I saw Adam Wolf last night, and okay. uh, I, I I I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's anything there. Um, I wasn't extremely impressed by him either. 
No, and and he's a big kid, and he pitched at Louisville, right? So a major college, but the mechanics seem really unrefined and clunky to me. And I I was sitting behind the first base dugout, so I wasn't behind the dish, but I just didn't see a lot of depth or movement to anything. Um, what what is your assessment from what you've seen from Wolf? I get a similar feeling from him that I did from Brad Bass last year. Okay. Which is that uh, he's a big guy, um, but it's not as the stuff isn't as strong as you'd like to see out of a out of that kind of frame, and it doesn't feel like he's in control of the game. Even though even though he is such a big guy and he should theoretically be able to take take control of the game with his stature alone, it doesn't right. feel like he's he's leading things right if that makes any sense no absolutely uh it's just kind of disappointing we 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 would expect a guy like that to completely run through the midwest league without any issue and it just hasn't happened for him so right um all right jay look we covered a lot of ground today i think is there anything else you wanted to address uh no nothing that doesn't verge into a different topic no, that's fine. So the the Caps are back at it tonight in Dayton. Robbie Wellhalf is getting the start. He's actually been pretty good with the Caps. Um, I've not seen him. I don't really know much about him, but he's getting the start. So, and I, is he a reliever? Um, I don't think so. All I right. think he was just a late round guy. Yeah, from last year or something like that. Okay, he's gone five innings in each of his his last two outings, but then he was he was in relief for a little bit. So he's kind of like a swing man, I guess. I suppose, yeah. Um, so hopefully the Caps can get back in the winners column uh, in this series with Dayton, and we'll have something positive to talk about next week. That'd right, be Jay? Great. All right, buddy. Hey, I appreciate your time and patience with me, and we'll do it again next week. Absolutely. See you later. Thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.